0: the life you've always wanted by john ortberg if you are looking for a copy of that book um, all of those have arrived so they're on the table in the back so you can pick one up as you leave today um, the book is really about spiritual disciplines and how we use spiritual disciplines to live out the life that jesus died to to create for us to give us you know we sang he makes all things new And often in our lives, that newness doesn't show up maybe as fast as we wanted to. And so John talks about how to use spiritual disciplines to help that new life inside actually show up more on the outside. And so we're going to pause kind of on that series today for the message for our commissioning service. But in a way, we've been talking this month about the well-ordered heart and I really feel like the message today fits with that idea of ordering our hearts in a certain way. Uh, a couple months ago, a friend of mine sent me a link to a sermon, and they told me that, um, man, this, this this sermon so impacted my life. And I walked into Target that day, and it just absolutely changed my perspective. And I just thought maybe you'd like to hear it as well. And so I listened to it. It's actually by one of the, my favorite teachers. His name is Marty Solomon. And uh, a big fan of of Marty's teachings and some of the ways that he's helped me to understand the Scripture uh, better and understand the Scripture as a story. And so I tell you that today because I kind of stole the sermon from him. I didn't steal it because I'm telling you. uh, And he'd be okay with me preaching it um, as long as I gave him credit. So if you like it, um, all credit to Marty. And if you don't, well, all blame to Marty. So I'm kind of off the hook. And so, But the moment I heard it, I knew I, I needed to use it today. Uh, because it's, it's a powerful message, and I, and I entitled it, Go Extend His Reign. Go Extend His Reign. And if you've got a Bible, go to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're going to be there in just a minute. But here at Restoration Church, we believe the Bible is one continuous story that God has been telling from the beginning of time all the way through Jesus and now through his church. And ultimately, a part of that is this idea of a tale of two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of this world, or what I sometimes refer to as the kingdom of empire, and that's a kingdom that uses force, a kingdom that operates under fear, a kingdom of self-preservation, a kingdom that takes. And that is opposed by, or I should say it opposes, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is an invitation kingdom. It's not a force. The kingdom of God is about trust and not fear. The kingdom of God is about self-sacrifice and not self-preservation. And the kingdom of God is about giving and not about taking. And this idea of the gospel is a part of the, the kingdom of God. In fact, many times in the scripture, we hear the idea of the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus came teaching and preaching. And that word gospel literally just means good news. And for many of us today, we, when we hear the word gospel, it's become such a church word in our culture that we think of the good news about Jesus dying on the cross and raising the dead so we can go to heaven one day. And while that is a part of the gospel, the good news that Jesus preached, it's not really all of it. And what, what we're going to talk about today, uh, I want to start with just a bit of a history lesson. And maybe if you're not a history fan, you'll tune out and come back in later. But, but try to stay awake and pay attention, because I want to talk about the Roman Empire. When they came talking about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, they understood it in a culture differently than we understand it today. There was another gospel of the time. It was the gospel of the Roman Empire the good news of the Roman Empire. You know, the idea of peace, Pax Romana, the peace of the Roman Empire, the, the benefits of the, the Roman Empire, entertainment benefits, infrastructure benefits. And what they would do is they would go into communities announcing the good news of the Roman Empire, the gospel of the Roman Empire, same word, the euangelion of the, the, the Roman Empire, so that people would like it, and yield to the Roman Empire so they didn't have to force people. Now, they were willing to force people if you didn't yield. So when Jesus comes along preaching the gospel of the kingdom, or actually John the Baptist first, you understand how treasonous that is. In a time when the Roman Empire is ruling, you are coming against the gospel of empire saying, no, there's another king and there's another kingdom and I invite you to come into that kingdom and yield to it. And so you understand why the disciples, one, were confused when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom because they kind of thought it would be just like empire, just like the Roman Empire, but it's not. The kingdom of God does not operate the way the kingdom of the world does. So the, the kingdom of Rome, or the Roman Empire, had a, an emperor by the name of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar, if you know your history, was assassinated. And then there was a battle for who would be the next leader of the Roman Empire, the next Caesar. And along comes Mark Anthony, who is a political and uh, Roman officer, commander. He's got a lot of power, got a lot of clout. Um, He is not really well liked, but he's got all the influence. Then there's a guy by the name of Octavian, and Octavian is the nephew of Julius Caesar, and he's the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And three days after the death of Julius Caesar, a comet shoots across the sky. I mean, you can Google this. You can find, there's inscriptions about it. You can find more information. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights. But during the time that Octavian was holding like uh, Olympic-style games in honor of his adopted father, Julius, this comet goes across the sky. So Octavian seizes upon this moment and he uses it in a propaganda kind of way saying that comet where everyone could see it, was actually Julius Caesar ascending to the throne as God. And as his son, (laughs) you see where he's going? I mean, this is brilliant. He says, I am God incarnate. I am the son of God reigning on the earth. Octavian, son of God. Becomes later on, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, Augustus meaning illustrious one, God reigning on the earth. Isn't it ironic that the son of God, Caesar Augustus, was reigning on the earth at the time that the son of God was born? Interesting. Uh, In the days that Luke tells us of Caesar Augustus, see, they don't just put these things in the Bible um, because they're just facts. There's a story that we can actually unpack and uncover. The, the interesting thing is now, this is a great story that Octavian is told, but he's got to get convinced the entire Roman Empire that he's really the son of God. So the Senate likes Octavian, and the Senate decides to side with Octavian, and so 12 senators stand before the Senate, and they say, Julius Caesar appeared to us on a mountain, and he said, all power and authority he is giving to us, to be his ambassadors, to extend his glory and reign of the Roman Empire around the world. And you just can't make this stuff up. So when Jesus appears to his disciples and says, as the Son of God, born under the time of Caesar Augustus, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and standing on a mountain, telling his disciples, all authority has been given to me, Now you go and be my ambassadors. You be my witnesses. You live in my name or in my character. You represent me and you extend my reign. That's what they're hearing when Jesus meets with them on the mountain. So let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And Luke is writing and he tells us this. After his suffering or after the crucifixion and his resurrection... He presented himself, Jesus, to them, the disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Sort of like, you know, eating fish, touching his flesh, those kinds of things. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus' message was always about the kingdom of God. It is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. John the Baptist taught, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God interchangeable is here. Jesus came teaching, repent for the kingdom of God is here. The disciples taught, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Paul went into the Jewish synagogues teaching the good news of the kingdom. And the good news of the kingdom is not just that you get to go to heaven when you die. That's a part of the kingdom. There is implications for the afterlife in the message of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is about how we live right now on the earth extending his reign. There's a lot of talk today about how much worse the world is getting and how much all all of these things are happening. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ reigns today as a king and his kingdom will continue to go forth and be established on the earth and nothing can stop it. And you and I who have Christ living in us have been called as his ambassadors to extend his reign on the earth. But just like the disciples... Oftentimes, you and I get caught up in thinking that God is up to something that is actually very different than what God is actually up to. We, like the disciples, think God is building a kingdom that is actually very different than the kingdom that he's building because we start to think that he's building a kingdom in the pattern of the kingdoms of this world. But all of the kingdoms of this world, all of them, No matter what they are, no matter what nationality or what flag you are under today, all of them are not the kingdom of God. They stand incomplete. There is a kingdom that will one day take over the entire world. And there are members of that kingdom in all of the countries around the world today. And you and I today are a part of that kingdom. And we're called to live out his reign on the earth. Now, remember, for three years, the disciples heard all about the kingdom of God. And yet when they were crucified, they ran away because they didn't understand the kingdom. So Jesus spends 40 days teaching them the most extensive teaching about the kingdom of God, helping them to understand it. So then verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, for three years, they asked Jesus, is today the day you're going to build the kingdom? Is today the day you're going to restore the kingdom? Is today the day you're going to restore the kingdom? In fact, in Matthew 24, remember they're on the temple and Jesus is like, They're asking him, are you going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus is like, "Ah, I'm still not getting it. So they've asked this question before. But after 40 days of time with resurrected Jesus, I don't think they're, they're seeing the kingdom in the same way. So yes, they're asking the same question. Are you going to restore the kingdom? But I don't think it's the same meaning. They understand how the kingdom of God operates now. Jesus has raised from the dead. He's explained it to them. He's taught them. So sometimes I think we get confused that they're still not getting it. I think they got it. And I think they understand the message, go extend his reign, but he wants them to not get ahead of themselves. So he says, wait, you're going to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit and then you're going to go do this. And you're going to extend my reign everywhere you go. So verse 7. He says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. We spend a lot of time trying to date stuff, even today. Trying to figure out how all this is going to fall into place. And we we miss, we strain out gnats and swallow camels, is what we do when we talk about end time stuff. Jesus says, don't worry about that. What you need to worry about is you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will not go witnessing. <laughs> you won't go door-to-door witnessing for me. You will be my witnesses. There's a difference. And we'll talk about that difference. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. So many parallels between the stories of Julius Caesar, which we know are false, um, and Octavian, which we know are false, and the true King Jesus, who is establishing a kingdom on this earth that he invites you and I to be a part of extending all throughout the world. He invites us to be a part of extending his reign, but not the way of the world, not through the way of Rome, not through exerting power, or force, or military, or sword, or fear. And I know that's how kingdoms of the world have to operate. I mean, if there's ever going to be law and order in our country, or in whatever country you're a part of, there has to be a police force. There has to be someone that uses fear to keep people in line. It's a kingdom of the world. It has to operate that way. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates by love and grace and mercy and compassion and goodness and patience and joy and self control. And so you and I this week are being called to extend His reign on the earth. (coughs) We spend a lot of time trying to convince people that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Messiah. We will tell people what Jesus claimed about himself, but, you know, I mean, Octavian claimed he was the Son of God. So Jesus is not the first one to claim he was the Son of God. They talk about the teachings of Jesus. We tell people what Jesus taught. um, All true. We point to miracles. Even miracles themselves do not prove that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, read your Old Testament. Jesus was not the only one performing miracles. There were many people performing miracles, and The miracles did not mean you're the Messiah. It just meant that you're working, or God is at work with you. All of the people that did miracles in the name of God, or throughout the Old Testament, even through the New Testament, were doing them with God's help, but that's not the proof that you're the Messiah. So what's the proof that you're the Messiah? There are thousands of prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. Thousands. And you could slice and dice them a thousand different ways to point to it. Who's the Messiah? But here's one thing that all Jews, who the Bible was written to, would agree. This is how we will know the Messiah when he comes. Here it is. He will bring the kingdom of God with him. He will bring the kingdom of God with him. And I don't know what you think of when you think of kingdom of God. Some of us think about, you know, um, Jesus' death, or some of us think about miracles, and some of us think about the afterlife and heaven, and so, and all of those things are parts of the kingdom, but it's not the totality of the kingdom. And the kingdom is about the culture and the nature of who God is and what he's calling us to live out on this earth. And that's what Luke is trying to teach. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and in the beginning of the book of Acts, he tells us that he wrote that book because he was trying to explain all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then he says the book of Acts is after that. So now what Luke is doing in the book of Acts is saying, okay, I've, I've showed you that Jesus claimed to be all these things. This is what he did. Now the book of Acts is the proof that he's the Messiah and we should go extend his reign. That's what the book of Acts is all about. So let's pause there and let's go back to Isaiah chapter 32. One of the messianic passages, like I already told you there's thousands, but here's one from Isaiah chapter 32. Let's read it. See, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. Each one... Will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Okay, so let's let's pick it apart. A king. How many kings are there? Go ahead, shout it out. How many kings are there? One. Yep. It's a king. A king. One king. Who is the king? Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is the king. Rulers. How many rulers are there? More than one. Yep. So many. More than one. Who are the rulers? We are. We are the rulers of this kingdom. It's in the Scripture. We reign with Him. We are the rulers. We are His ambassadors. We are His witnesses. And look at what it says. Each one. Each one. Each one will be a shelter from the wind. A refuge from the storm. Streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. If you want to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, go extend his reign. Go and be a stream in somebody's desert. Go and be a refuge for somebody's storm. Don't just memorize a bunch of scriptures to try to prove to people what Jesus said and what he claimed. Show it. Prove it. Extend his reign right here on the earth. That's how people will know Jesus is the Messiah. They, will, He said it himself. People will know that I am who I claim to be. be. You will be known as my followers by your love. Not your knowledge of the scriptures. Knowledge of the scriptures is very important. Not your miracles that you perform. Nope. Miracles are good and important. Not by any of those things. It will be known by our love. It's the nature of the kingdom. When we're a people who are streams in the desert and refuges from the storm and shelters from the wind, that's what the book of Acts is all about. The book of Acts is about all kinds of people who just went out and extended his reign. In Acts chapter 5, Luke picks up the story that he's telling on purpose about who Jesus is and who we are as his ambassadors. Luke is not just sitting down trying to, like, remember all the things that happened and write them out. He is writing a story to convince us that Jesus is the Messiah and we are his ambassadors on the earth. That's what Luke is trying to accomplish in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, he says in verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Here's the thing. You and I cannot make signs and wonders happen. Can't do it. I mean, if we could, today we would just go up to HRMC and we would clean house can't make it happen but can i tell you this i believe signs and wonders follow the kingdom i also believe you can have signs and wonders without the kingdom in fact there's a lot of warnings in the scriptures about signs and wonders being performed by people who aren't in the kingdom so signs and wonders aren't enough that's not the test of the kingdom If you want to see signs and wonders, if you want to see miracles, go be a miracle. Be a shelter for someone's storm. Be a refuge for someone. Be a stream of water for someone. This is the foundational element of the kingdom. And look at what it says about these believers. They were highly regarded by the people. I know the Bible says the world is going to hate the followers of Jesus. I know it. It also says these people were highly regarded Because they were willing to live a self-sacrificing, invitation-style kingdom. They didn't just try to force people into the kingdom or force people to behave themselves. They brought the kingdom. They were willing to lay their lives down. They were willing to give of themselves. We focus today a lot on how much worse our world is getting. Not going to deny the world is getting worse. But we have been called as ambassadors of the kingdom to go and extend his reign. Extend it. In verse 14, Acts chapter 5 still. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Now, I've heard that verse all my life. Let's put verse 15 back up on the screen. Does it say that Peter's shadow actually healed people? No, it doesn't. Okay, now, don't get me wrong. Do I think Peter's shadow could have healed people? (laughs) Yeah, I've read the book. Anything's possible. It could have happened. It does say later in verse 16 that all of the people that came were healed, just like it did in passages of Jesus. No reference to Peter's shadow actually healing people, just that people did it so that... Peter's shadow might fall on them. And you and I, just in our Western brains, we look at that and we assume if they did it, it must have been because it happened once. And so they're just trying to make it happen again. But what if Luke isn't telling us this so that you and I like, get so in with God, quote unquote, that our shadow is filled with the presence of God to the point that our shadow heals people? What if that's not Luke's point? What if Luke is pointing us back to Isaiah chapter 32? Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 32, okay? Because I think when Luke wrote this uh, verse, I think Luke took his little quill and he's penning it, and when he wrote this verse, he went, boom, yeah! That's what I think Luke did, (laughs) because he was so excited at what he was seeing, and he wanted people to know Jesus was the Messiah. So let's read it again, Isaiah 32. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, in the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. What's Peter's name mean? <laughs> Not just rock, great rock big rock. Please understand again, I'm not saying that Peter's shadow didn't heal people. Could have, could have, could have, but I believe Luke's point was the kingdom is breaking out everywhere. We see it. Be a ruler. Be an ambassador. Go and be a refuge. Go and be a shelter. Go and be a stream. And miracles and signs and wonders might follow you, but just be the kingdom everywhere you go. Oh, that's good stuff. Verse 3. Then hmm. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. And the ears of those who hear will listen, and the fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. All we need are willing people to be ambassadors of the kingdom, to live a kingdom of invitation, and trust, and self sacrifice, and love and mercy, and grace. And when we start living that kingdom, rather than say, oh, well, the world is rejecting us because the world's supposed to reject us, if we just lived the kingdom more, if we just laid down our lives more, Maybe if we just offered more mercy and more grace, not because we want people to walk on us and not because we want to be doormats, because we're doing it in the name of Jesus. Because we're off, well, Pastor, you just can't hand out water in Jesus' name. You just can't be about social issues. You got to preach the gospel. I am. Every glass of water I give out is the good news of the kingdom because I'm being a stream of water in somebody's desert and it's the key that will unlock their heart so that when I do speak, they're going to be able to receive it. But if I don't do that first, their heart's not open and I can say, well, their hearts are just closed and hard because they're going to reject the gospel. Or I can embrace the kingdom more fully and lay down my life. This week at camp, staff, you will do some crazy things. Some of you who I won't mention have worn tutus at camp because you want to make an impact in the life of a child. And I applaud that and I love that. But every day of our lives, we're called to live out this kingdom everywhere we go. And I know I say this every single year, (laughs) but I mean it. God is calling us to be his partners in the restoration of all things. And sometimes we get so caught up in just getting full of Jesus. Can I tell you something? The moment you accept Jesus, you're full of Jesus. Let him out. Be a shelter for someone. Be a refuge for someone. Be a stream for someone. If you remember in Isaiah chapter 58, there are tons of these in the scriptures, but Isaiah 58, if you remember, this is probably more for those of us in the Pentecostal flavor that love our worship services and just try to get full of Jesus so our shadows heal people. If you remember in Isaiah 58, um, also in the book of Amos, where God's like, I am so sick of your songs. I'm done with them. Your festivals, I'm done with them. Your church services, I'm done. I am sick of it. Why? Does God not like our church services? Does he not like worship? No, he likes it. He loves it. But when our worship services don't match the kingdom in our daily lives, when we leave here and we go out there and we treat people poorly, not kingdom culture, he's like, I don't want this. I want that. Because kingdom doesn't follow a good worship service. Kingdom follows that. Don't take my word for it. Isaiah 58, 6. Here's the kind of fasting that I've chosen. By the way, I love fasting. I believe in fasting. I think fasting has a place. But you can fast all day long, and if you're not living out the kingdom in your daily life, your fasting accomplishes nothing. That's what Isaiah 58 says. Jesus, God, says to the people, this is the kind of fasting I've chosen. Loose the chains of injustice. Untie the codes of cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, there it is again, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Notice our light doesn't break forth like the dawn after a church service. Don't get me wrong, I'm a pastor, I'm all for church services. But it comes when we start meeting people out there and we're a shelter and we're a shade and we're a stream out there. Your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of Streets with dwellings. I wish I had time to read Isaiah of all of Isaiah 58. Read it for yourself this week. Get it in you. When we start living out the kingdom, day after day after day after day, and I know it's hard, and I know we need to lean on one another and say, you know, I'm trying to live out the kingdom, but I'm getting rejected. I'm trying to live out the kingdom, and it doesn't seem to be working. I'm trying to live out the kingdom. Trust me, when you live out the kingdom, when you give cold water in, the name, character, nature of Jesus, knowing you're doing it with kingdom be, behind you, it's doing something. You may not see it, but I promise you it's doing something. You are extending His reign. The book of Acts is full of stories where the church fulfills Scripture and not just Jesus. That's good. The book of Acts is full of stories where the church fulfills Scripture and not just Jesus. Back in 2014, I was first exposed to Royal Family Kids Camp. And every year that I go through training and every year, I mean, I remember that first training um, we were at a house in Madison, and there was just a small group, and Jeff Jeholla, one of the leaders, was there. And I remember him talking, and I, I got so excited about this camp. I got so excited about the the core values of this camp, not just not just for the camp. Treat people royally. Make moments matter. Keep moving forward. I'm like, and we were in a season as a church where we were trying to find our core values. And I'm like, We need these core values. These are our core values as a church. And I told my wife, I'm like, Chrissy, these need to be our core values. And she's like, no. (laughs) Like, what do you mean no? We all need to live this. She's like, no, because Royal Family Kids Camp is not our church. It's bigger than our church. And by the way, it's bigger than our church. This camp could not happen without our director and our assistant director. Our director whom i love and sleeps in my bed who does an amazing job of making this week happen for for campers and for staff and it couldn't happen without her and for someone like Taryn who moves south carolina to south carolina and still works at our camp because it gets in you that's not easy and she just got married 2 weeks ago 2 weeks ago She's on her honeymoon without her husband at camp (laughs) because it, you see, it gets in you and you're like, oh, I just, and I understood where she was coming from, but I was, um, I was upset because I wanted those core values (laughs) for our church. Can I tell you something? Those are core values of our church and they're not written on any wall anywhere. But you often hear me about how we treat people and we need to treat people royally. And I don't always use the word royally, but how we treat people matters. Making every moment matter and keep moving forward that endurance, the first time I heard this, and every year, I'm like, Wayne Tesh, the founder of Royal Family Kids Camp, man, he was on to something. This is how the kingdom operates. And it was yesterday as we were sitting in training, and we were talking about this concept of uh, helping to uh, un- unlock the heart so that people can be ministered to and receive the kingdom and we talked about connecting and empowering and correcting and it dawned on me that's how Jesus lived the church today generally tries to correct first we try to get people corrected so then they can connect and then get empowered but when Jesus came what did he do he touched the people no one else would touch. He ate with people no one else would eat with. He ministered to people and unlocked their hearts. He connected. He empowered. He corrected. Yeah, there's, there's a time for correction. There's a time to disciple. There's a time to teach people. Not before we connect. And not before we empower. How do we empower? We bring them to the king. We bring them to the king. And then they get the power to be discipled. When we try to correct people, we try, in our world today, we're trying to get people to be corrected, and they have no power to live that life. You and I couldn't live it without the Spirit. We've put the cart before the horse. And it, it dawned on me yesterday in the middle of training I'm like, Wayne Tesh was brilliant. He was brilliant. No, he was just spirit-led. And I don't know if he understood what he was creating at the time or if he just followed God. But every year we do this camp, I'm reminded we need to be about the kingdom. We need to treat people royally, make moments matter, keep moving forward. Because here's the thing, this week you are going to leave this building today and there's going to be brokenness everywhere. Everywhere. Would you be shade? in shelter, in water. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, bring the kingdom. Bring the kingdom. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, every person listening to my voice right now, today, you, th- this week, you are going to be surrounded by brokenness. You're going to be surrounded by it. Each one be a shelter from the wind. Each one be a refuge From the storm, and each one be a stream of water in the desert. Go extend his reign. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. God, I've I've known you for many years, I've studied your word for many years, and still so many times I'm just blown away at the story and the the levels and the layers of your word and your kingdom and what you did what you did while we were your enemies you gave your life for us while we were your enemies you emptied yourself you humbled yourself and you came to this earth and you wrapped yourself in human flesh the son of God wrapped in human flesh showing us how to live out the kingdom Showing us how to preach the good news of the kingdom. Showing us how to live the good news of the kingdom. Father, forgive us for how we've missed it. But today we don't want to wallow in missed opportunities and broken moments. Today, we want to take on the mantle of your ambassadors. And I pray today for every person in this room For those that are here right now, those that are watching online that do not know you, and Holy Spirit, as you move in their hearts, I pray that today would be the day that they yield to your kingdom. Today would be the day that they, like all of us that have accepted you, admit that they've gone their own way, admit that they've sinned against you, admit that they've lived under the kingdom of this world, that they would believe that you gave your life to absorb our punishment, the punishment that was meant for us, and that they would willingly embrace your kingdom today. And Father, I pray for those in this room that have already done that, that have already yielded to your kingdom. I pray that today would be a day where our eyes are opened in new ways, where we see your kingdom in a new new light. And God, that everywhere we go this week, we live as your ambassadors. Father, I pray especially for those that are going to camp again, that are going to work alongside of the the children and other staff members this week. God, there's going to be broken moments in all of our lives this week. And I pray that you would strengthen each of us, strengthen us to be a shelter from the wind to be a refuge in the storm and to be a stream of water in somebody's desert. Holy Spirit, only you are able to empower us to live that life. And I ask that you take your word today and use it to unlock the kingdom in our hearts and minds in a fuller way so that we extend your reign. Not just this one, every week until you return. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Just a quick announcement to those of you that are going to camp with us today. Remember, we meet at the downtown location at 2 o'clock. Today, we're going to do some a little bit more training. We have to pack the trailer. Yay! In 97-degree weather. Yay! And then we're going to give you ice cream. Yay! So it's going to be great. Um, But be there at 2 o'clock. Don't be late so we can get started and get things rolling. Um, For those of you that are not going to camp with us, please pray for us this week. And would you just extend his reign in Huron while we're not here? And then when we come back, we'll join you in extending his reign in the borders of our city as well. And so thanks for being here today. If you want to stop by the table before you leave for books, information, anything that's out there, the offering baskets are there as well. God bless you as you go today. And uh, thanks for being here again.